this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. The trade deadline has come and gone, and well, question mark? We've got a crazy week 16 to follow up a wild week 15, plus Jordan Hall of the Georgia Swarm. We'll break it all down for you and give you news and notes, plus another edition of Box Bets. All that and more on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner, and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League action. Matthews, quick stick. Are you kidding me? By Dylan Ward. I don't believe what I just saw. That's the save of the year right there. Oh, wow. Blair right down the middle, shoots, and he scores!
welcome back to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast. Those were just some of the sounds from week 15. And man, what a wild, unexpected twist and turns up and downs, highs and lows kind of week it was. We will get to it all as we break down week 15. We'll get you set for week 17, which has a ton of storylines. We're going to break down everything from the trade deadline, plus Jordan Hall from the Jordan Swarm will stop by. But let's get the intros of the way. He is Pat Gregoire. You can find him on Twitter at P Greggy. I am Teddy Jenner at Teddy Jenner on Twitter. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast. You can find us on Instagram at OTCB podcast. Patty, what is going on, my man? Tough weekend for your birds. Yeah, that was not the outcome that Halifax was certainly looking for going 0 for 2, but like, let's give credit where it's due. Uh, what the Albany defense was able to do and Doug Jameson, you know, just completely shutting down that offense uh, was remarkable. This Albany team is way better than what the record indicates. And there's a lot of belief in that room. Um, this is a team that clearly has the two birds number. And then you go to the next night, you face a, a very hungry Georgia team. That's really starting to find their stride at the right time. Uh, obviously the back to back, usually I shouldn't say usually, but sometimes in the game lacrosse uh, plays to the favor of the team that's playing that back-to-back but you know Halifax just looked gassed and I think Georgia had a great game game plan trying to suck them in to that transition game back and forth the track meet and the wheels kind of fell off with the T-Birds and again credit where credit's due Mike Poulin was vintage Mike Poulin we'll we'll get into all that uh but tons of stuff going on around the lacrosse league um obviously with the trade deadline and you know, the Sean Evans deal was one that kind of happened before the weekend. It kind of was forced into play because of Stephen Keel going on the COVID list. But um, I, I, it didn't really seem to work out. He was okay that first game. You know, he had four assists, but then I don't know if it was the travel. It was just, you know, still being with a new team. He didn't look as effective maybe in that second game. But now what do you do with Sean Evans? You know, if Keel's healthy and Shanks is good and Peterson is going and Bushi is going, like, what do you do with this offense now with, with Sean Evans? I really don't know what you do. But one thing I will say, the offense this weekend was, the lack of production was actually more to the fact that they were missing Stephen Keogh rather than Sean Evans not fitting in. And yes, Sean Evans was dealt a pretty tough card to get into this lineup right away and fit in with a very dynamic right-hand side. But with that being said, I think what they were really missing was Stephen Keogh crashing, banging, setting those picks, getting those loose balls, keeping the guys calm on the bench, the intangibles that he brings to that lineup as well. Clark Peterson and Austin Shanks and, you know, Bushi for that matter as well. All three very dynamic players that are looking for that mid-range shot. And when their shot's on, they can catch fire. When things aren't going well for them, though, they don't provide the spark that maybe a Stephen Keogh does. Keogh will be the first guy to say to the O, hey, boys, my shot's not sinking tonight. I'm just going to crash and bang here. I'm going to free up some space for you. So, And then you throw in a guy like Evans who likes to have the ball in his stick. Just the dynamic seemed 
like it was you know magnifying that they were struggling. Now to answer your question though, what do they do? I have no idea. Yeah. I have no idea because let's 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 break it down guy by guy. I just clearly made a case that you can't sit Keo because oh. he is your glue guy, your crashing banger. Clark Peterson, when he's on, he's your most dynamic righty. Austin Shanks, when his shot is on, he's scoring five, six goals a game. And Bushi is Mr. Consistency. Uh, he, every single game right now is, you know, potting at least a couple of goals and adding a couple of six. He's not really having the ups and the downs that a guy like Clark Peterson or Austin Shanks are having. Yeah. And obviously, our, well, then it goes to Sean Evans. But you didn't bring in Sean Evans to be a healthy scratch and come into the lineup yeah. every so often. And I can guarantee you, Sean Evans didn't come to do that. So, yeah, Mike yeah. Kersey, Stu Montour are going to have very tough decisions to make when it comes to this righty unit. And I don't envy them. I wish I had an answer, Teddy, because yeah. I don't know if they have an answer at this point. I got to assume I trust the process with this group that they have a plan in place and that they went out and got Evans. But I don't know, like, Clark Peterson's played out the back door and he's gone back in reverse transition. But how do you take that piece of your offense and play him in, in, in transition? And then that also then creates another healthy scratch out the back door where you have yeah, where he already stressed Dave Brock. Yeah. Dave Brock, like, uh, Nongo. like these yeah. guys can't even get in the lineup. So yeah. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, there's a lot of questions, Halifax. There's going to be a lot of questions down in San Diego. Again, we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit. But how was it having at least 5K in the nest this past week? And even though it was the first time they'd lost in regulation, um, kind of mark that, get that, you know, albatross off your neck. You don't have to keep thinking about that all the time. But uh, 5,000 fans in Halifax must have been just a, such an awesome sight as they continue to relax their restrictions back there. It was awesome, man. And 5K felt like 15K in that building. It, it is so loud. The low roof. They have such a raucous crowd. They're For a new fan base, they're smart too, man. Like yeah. they know when to cheer. Um, they know to, you know, be a little bit quieter on defense and they like to be rowdy and they don't give up. Like no one was leaving their seats when things weren't going great. They stayed to the very end and tried to will them to victory. They came up a little bit short. Um, and it was unfortunate to, to, for them to have to go home empty handed, but I can guarantee you, if you go on their socials, man, and you read the comments on Facebook and you read the comments on Instagram, normally after a loss, that's a cesspool when you dive into those comments yeah. These guys were positive. You know, you guys will bounce back. Oh, no one, two weekends, fine. Better to go through that adversity now. So, you know, they say East Coast lifestyle is a very laid back, no calm, or, or you are calm, no panic. Well, they're taking that approach to the lacrosse team right now during a little skid. Uh, it would be nice if uh, the fans down at Panther City had that as much enthusiasm as the t-birds fans do hopefully it will get there but this is a team now that's won three straight and they just hung 20 on the mammoth my man like i never saw that coming and the fact that it was dodds farrell will malcolm and uh milligan like those guys put up 30 points between the three of them like if that's what you have now and you're about to add donville and <laughs> stots and, and jake 
kind of thinks that Randy Stotts may be closer than some of us think to maybe coming back. He's, he's running, he's seen videos of him kind of working out. Don't really know how far away he is, but if they make a push, if they could somehow add Randy into that offense late in the season, like, but even just for the future, like Panther city is two D guys away and a confident Kevin Orleman in between the pipes or Nick Daymood to being a real contender in this league and moving forward. If you told me at the start of the season that Panther city would be competing for a playoff spot, I wouldn't have actually been that surprised. The thing that is surprising is that if you said it's going to be their offense, that's going to be driving this this team. That's where I'd be surprised because we knew, you know, they've got a ton of athletes on this squad. Uh, You mentioned it. Orleman is one of the most promising young goalies in this league. He's kindly, you know, finally got that opportunity and day mood, same thing. So you have these two guys, you know, there's going to be a battle, but when you look at their offense, Patrick Dodd's putting up 55 points, not really a shocker. We know what this guy can do, but will Malcolm with a, with <laughs> over a 50 burger in 11 yeah. games, uh, you know, and there's a little bit of a drop off with Caputo and Grennan, but, uh, and then what a great surprise Milligan and Farrell have been, and they have changed the dynamic of that offense. And TK, man, he's coaching his bag off down in Texas right now. He's got these guys believing. He's got them playing into a system. And the moral victories were out of the window a long time ago. But now it's like, let's compete for a playoff spot. I think they, at this point, they're playing with house money. Of course they want to make the postseason. Yeah. But this is a learning curve for these young guys because you mentioned it, man. The future is bright when you add two offensive superstars to this unit they're going to have a couple more draft picks to bring in maybe those defenders that you're looking at now that they're competing and maybe you can go out in the the offseason and bring in a couple of free agents yeah say hey look what we're building down here and it's it's tracy klusky right who's not going to want to play for tk 100 so um awesome to see down there i would just love to see them find a way to get more fans in that building because they are absolutely missing out um We've talked about Philly's struggles before. They have another game where they don't score more than eight goals. Uh, they put up four, uh, or maybe was it five? Uh, and Vancouver put up, you know, a, a low number as well, which was surprising again because that offense had started, you know, even without Mitch Jones was starting to click at times. But both are on solid losing streaks. Philadelphia is now on the outside looking in of the playoffs, and Vancouver can't be too careful because right over their shoulder is a Calgary team that's played nine games until there's a lot to go. A Saskatchewan team that feels like they're still in it. And Panther City, as we just mentioned. So two teams that need to find wins in a hurry. I think, well, let's start with Philly here. And I think the writing has been on the wall for this team that clearly something has to give with this offense. They could have gone two different ways. You know, compete and try to, you're not, here's the thing as much belief in that locker room there is with going up against Buffalo, they knew like you can't go goal for goal with a unit like the bandits right now. Uh, but their defense and their goaltending is good enough. At least you'd think they'd be good enough to kind of keep this a little bit down. But when your offense isn't scoring, when they're not getting full 30 seconds clocks, the, the wheels just fall off for the back end for the goaltender. And I think that's clearly what happened here. And Man, uh, I, 
I really am shocked that we didn't see moves here for Philadelphia. I know we saw a couple, but I, like, I mean, to bring in yeah. some offensive yeah. pieces. Um, we'll they get to bring the trade. in Sam LeClaire, but that's, you know, sub- addition by subtraction as they move Brett Hickey. You know, Kevin Crowley is a free agent. I think Smallsy is a free agent. Um, you know, they got some guys they need to figure out what they're going to do with in the offseason, but this is a team that's just struggling wholeheartedly and it's got to be weighing heavily on those guys because the start of the season they were putting up like 17 and 15s and and double digit numbers now they can't even get to nine Mm -hmm. and you know the only piece that's really come out has maybe been Corey Vitarelli they've been running with the same seven guys for pretty much the majority of the season and it's even mystifying Paul Day and I know that he is trying to and was trying to figure anything to do but people were calling him like instantly as soon as that game was over he said people saw blood in the water and they were sharks and they wanted every piece that they could get and he wasn't willing to give that up he was being loyal to that fan base and the moves that he did make um you know they wanted to get younger out the front door they moved brett hickey they bring sam mcclair in they wanted to give jack and subak a little more playing time so they move on from anthony Jokum. so he did try and make some moves but he didn't want to do it at the expense of the core of his club, but how much longer is the core of that club going to be together is the big question. So uh, I, that's Philadelphia. I, one quickly before we move to yeah. Vancouver, because I think there are two completely different sides of the coin here uh, with Philly. I knew that they weren't going to blow things up because there is, you still have some tangible evidence that this team can compete. But the fact that, we knew we've heard from, you know, multiple sources saying that, like you said, like there are big names out there that are UFAs that easily would have helped out some playoff teams or those bubble teams to push them over. So I respect Paul day for not blowing things up because it would be so easy to, it's just now you kind of stand in that limbo where you didn't buy, you didn't sell, you stand pat, but did you do enough to improve so now i i I think this also has to tell the players listen you know paul day goes in on you i i trust you you guys i trust you guys we kept this core intact we know what we have in this room is it good enough can we turn our season around uh conversely vancouver did zip zero zilch and that was kind of expected um they don't have a lot of um assets to move east you know Cal Killen's really the own eastern eastern body that maybe some teams might have been knocking on a little bit to see if Vancouver would move on from him but Dan Richardson is you know on record saying they're not in the business of selling away first round draft picks anymore so I didn't really expect them to do much maybe they'll do some stuff in free agency but you know Mitch Jones still out and they only score four goals that has to be a concern because more importantly not only are they not getting goals they're not getting goaltending right now either Seafryer and Alex Bouquet have been flip-flopping back and forth over the last few weeks of who's going to be starter who's going to come back up and over this past weekend they both saw multiple ins and outs so there's a lot to be concerned about in Vancouver right now I think that's the biggest and of course you know what scoring five goals never going to be something that you're not going to be concerned with but this is the first time that the offense kind of looked like oh man we're missing mitch jones here they they just did not look dynamic at all there is no point where the toronto rocks defense or nick rose for that matter were on their heels defensively if 
their goaltenders aren't making those stops from the outside the way that they're they play and they pack it in they're just not going to find success and the reason they were so good at the start of the year they had trust in their goalie they had trust whoever it was to make those outside shots they're going to block a ton of shots they're going to pack it in and then they've got some some great athletes who can play a little aggressive top side on the ball and make things happen there but when goalies are you know getting lit up from you know the 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 advertisements near the restraining line like that's just not conduct conducive to the defense that this unit plays and you could tell it was very you know deflating for this unit but i think this is where you can kind of of course they're they're, you know letting up 14 two weeks in a row you're going to be a little bit concerned but just looking at the standings looking at the remainder of your schedule it's almost like fate is in our hands we we now can go ahead and make our own fate um and i think they're up to the challenge and i think this is a a team that expected to compete for a playoff berth this year but i think if they miss it's not the end of the world they uh, Mm, no it's not the end of the world but i think there's going to be a lot of pissed off people of course and i should i should have prefaced it I don't think you look to make any coaching changes. I don't think no, no, you make, no, no, no. look to make any drastic changes to this this core. Of course, they want to make the playoffs. Of course, they're going to be upset yeah. if they do miss out. But I, what I was trying to say was, you don't really have to have that internal debate with yourselves in that yeah. organization saying you're not What's having wrong? to come to Jesus meeting a summit. You know, saying okay, let's got we got to blow it up. I think yeah, like you said, the nucleus is there. They can build around a lot of those pieces they have. Gilly's obviously got that room. KT has done a great job with the back door. Haji's an incredible leader with that defense. You know, I truly believe they got to go and try to find a goal in the offseason. Yeah. And they got to go and trying to find a couple more defensive pieces. And once, you know, Mitch Jones is healthy, maybe they can get another offensive guy. But I think, you know, a goalie, one D guy and, and an O guy to kind of round things out, I think they're going to be okay. So it's not panic time. Obviously, this is a team that's lost now three in a row. Uh, they got seven games remaining. They're sitting in that playoff spot, but they can't afford to keep losing ground because like you mentioned, three teams below them are starting to turn things around and starting to win some lacrosse games. Uh, maybe not so much Saskatchewan, but they have a good chance to in the next couple of weeks. So still a lot to be decided there in the West, but Vancouver really, I think they just need to forget about that reset, mm-hmm. come back to the drawing board. They got a huge game this weekend uh, down in Colorado and, and a win crazy enough a win there basically, you know, kind of gets them right back in there with Colorado for that second spot. So they can't be, you know, hanging the lip and being all pouty because not only are they being chased, but they are doing the chasing. So we'll see how they bounce back. You mentioned the rocks defense was absolutely phenomenal. I thought the rocks. O was phenomenal. And Tom Schreiber, like put it on repeat that goal. He scored on the power play. And it was the, how good it was was the fact that it took Jake and Brad like a couple of replays to actually notice what he did and how nonchalantly he did it. A couple passes with the right and just, you know, I'm just going to switch it to my left and it changes the angle. It changes the, the look that the goalie has and it just absolutely stings the corner with his offhand, which most guys aren't going to be able to do that or have the balls to pull that off. But Tom Shriver, that's why he's one of the best in the world. And 
It wasn't just Schreiber. The entire offense was playing yeah, with so much swagger. And I mean, yes, what he was doing out there was silly, but Dan Craig was stinging corner corners from like the wrong side. Hellier yeah. looked unbelievable. Like when was the last time you've seen this offense have that much confidence and that much swagger? Like they're an offense that I find it's very, you know, methodical, you know, they, they look for the perfect opportunity. Yeah. Whereas this one, they were out, like, they were playing Harlem Globetrotters lacrosse out there, like having fun. And it wasn't it was so- like watching, um, like, I don't mean to say this in the bad way because there's a lot of Orange Bowl guys on that team, but they're very <laughs> whippy robot, you know, yeah. normally. But yeah. now they were Six Nations having fun, yep. flying around, just That's what falling I mean. out, right? Yeah, it, it exactly. Was, and I think they're kind of, you know, they're like, okay, we see what Buffalo's doing. They're high energy, high impact, love being on the floor and having a lot of time. I think they're trying to instill a little bit of that energy. Mm-hmm. 100%. And I think that's, they've, they've found their identity on offense. They've, and you're never like, you know, Dawson's going back into that lineup 110%. Um, but again, this comes to a point where it's like, you got to find more offensive shifts for Challen Rogers because yeah. a part of that freewheeling, fast, you know, drive to the net offense comes from him playing more offense and he's a guy that you wish he could just stay on the floor the entire game um but he's gonna have the green light to stay on that offense because they're so much more dynamic when he's out there uh the bandits cruise again uh this team just doesn't know how to play a boring lacrosse game and they are comfortably at the top of the nll standings at 10 and 1 uh, this is a team that has all the confidence in the world and everything they're doing from Matt Vince all the way out. Everybody's contributing. Um, we thought they might've been a, a interesting active team at the deadline. They kind of just move on for Brett Noseworthy and stack some picks. Uh, but this is a team that is all in right now and everybody needs to be watch out because in the blink of an eye, it can go from a three two lacrosse game to a 10-2 lacrosse game, and you'll have no idea what hit you. That offense, man, it's just so much fun to watch. Yeah. And, and now now Dehoka's, like, really gained his confidence. Like, I feel like within the last maybe three, four weeks, he is starting to play that lacrosse with that swagger and with that confidence that we've seen him play in junior and, and in college and, and pretty much everywhere else. And I'm not trying to say he wasn't before, but now he's freewheeling. He's scoring those disgusting goals. And it just changes, you know, just a complete different dynamic. Just when you thought the offense couldn't get better, it, it, it adds another wrinkle. Like Dane Smith, 12 points on, on what, 17 goals? Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, it is ridiculous. And you look at the back end. Like you said, transition game was working. Matt Vince put up the quietest 50 saves I think I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, everyone wanted to talk about how good the offense was. It's like, well, what about Vino? He had 50. He had a 50 burger. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, here's again, I love how we do this. We talk, things come to our minds. We just throw them out in the middle of the ethos and see where they land. Um, if New York Panther city or, um, Vancouver don't make the playoffs, if all three of those teams don't make the playoffs bandits do and Dehoka keeps up these numbers and wins the rookie goal scoring race. (laughs) Does he beat out teat for rookie of the year? So he wins the goal scoring race, but not the. We'll say no. He, he does, he's, he's not going to catch. I don't. I don't think there's any way he catches Teat for no. overall points. 
Teets got uh, Nanakooks at 36 and Teets at 64. So he's 28 points ahead of him. Um, I don't think he's catching him there. But he is four up on him in the goal scoring. He has played two more games, but Teets not getting those games back. You know what, man? I would, I would love to say yes. And you can talk about the greater impact on a winning team. And I know I was just giving him praise. Like I tweeted out, like saying just like, you know, Tohoka is so, he's just so much fun to watch. But with that being said, like, Teet's got 64 points in nine games in his yeah. first year playing <laughs> professional lacrosse. Like that's hard to argue, man. So I'm going to say no, but <laughs> it was just three, four weeks ago, everyone, including myself, said, well, now it's a two-horse race with Teet and Bowering. Well, that's well, the way it was pretty much the most of the year. It was just those right. guys. Now it's but like... now Dodsey's in there. Dodds, like, who's going to... Who's going to be that third nominee? Like, I, there's a chance that if Vancouver keeps sliding and people will riot in the streets, there's a chance that Bowering might not be uh, up for it. I, I'm, I, I don't agree yeah. with it. I, I, I don't know agree you with it. I know. But like, what if Panther City makes the playoffs? Yeah, who's, the, who's the odd man out of those four? I don't know. I think you have to just nominate four and say we're changing the rule this year because <laughs> all four of these guys are way too good. Like it's that crazy. Like I, yeah. if if Panther City makes the playoffs, Dodds leads him in scoring. You can't leave him off. No, Jeff Teets is going to put up who God knows how many points in not, like nine games. He's sixty four. Not a math guy, but that's a lot of goals or points per game. And then and then Tahoga, like Tahoga's like lighting it up like and scoring crazy highlight real goals so like i don't know man i don't know who you keep off the ballot uh dodsey sneakily gotten himself uh to 12th in rookies or in all overall scoring and yeah. teat seven like those two guys like dodsey put up 11 teats put up 12 at one point this year like those two guys are just absolutely balling out but like you said dehoka has just in the last month and a bit his confidence is just somehow taking an absolute boost. And it's got to be playing in that offense with those guys and just being around those guys all the time, whether it's going for, you know, cryo showers or whether it's doing rehab or whether it's working out or just going for dinner, being around that chaos to use the pun um, <laughs> has done a world for this young man. And it has been just a treat to watch and it is going to be a continued treat to watch. And just looking at the stats now, he's also just one goal from being outside of the top 10 in goals scored. So yeah. <laughs> like what these four are doing right now, I'm like, I mean, we don't even have to pull up Bowering stats. He's got a billion loose balls. He's got a ton of cause turnovers. And, you know, so that's why I, I, I wouldn't keep him off my ballot if I had, a, you know, had to choose three guys. But yeah. I think there's going to be some people if they fall off the face of the earth and don't make that playoffs and these other guys keep, you know, doing these outstanding things. I don't envy who, who's making these decisions. So uh, Bowser is tied with Mitch Desnew at 125 loose balls for second. Uh, they are eight behind Jake Withers, but again, Desnew and Bowering don't take faceoffs. So yeah, uh, keep that in mind. Um, all right, uh, quickly getting through the last couple of games. Uh, the dramatic comeback by the Seals. They're down five. Uh, they end up clawing their way back into that game. Um, Westberg continues to put this club on his shoulders. Frank Chiliano continues to play some of the best lacrosse. You know, he settled down, allowed his team, that offense, to kind of 
gain momentum and gain some traction, get back in that lacrosse game. And then with 1.3 left, the little duder, Jeremy Noble finds garbage in front, dunks it in the back of the net, like just absolute scenes. And we all thought that might've been the catalyst for the blow up in Saskatchewan. That never happened, but another game where these seals just find a way to win. I've used this term a few times for a couple of teams. So it kind of loses its luster, but after that, win, team of destiny vibes for sure, like you're at eight and two, like you said, you, you find ways to win different offensive players are coming in and out of the lineup due to injury. Stotts is out now. We don't know how long he's out for, but it doesn't matter, man. Like this team just finds ways to win when things get tough. It's their goaltending stealing the show some nights. Their defenses look great and consistent. And then the offense will explode for a ton of goals. So this is a team that, man, like right now you got to assume that they've got the West locked up. Like they're, they look like the best team in the West right now, but you know, no thoughts certainly is, is going to be a cause for concern. It depends how long he's going to be out, but this is a team that has made it very clear that they want to win a championship for, for Brody Merrill and let him ride out into the sunset. And I think they're going to do absolutely everything they can. Um, but losing thoughts would certainly be a serious road uh, block in that championship path. It'll be interesting to see how Brett Hickey fits into that offense. Again, we'll get to that, but um, you know, good times down in Pechanga and the seals continue to be uh, a real threat in the, in the overall landscape of the national crossing right now. Um, the final game we'll talk about is that Rochester game. Uh, when we heard Ryland Hartley wasn't going to be in the lineup, we we're all like, oh my gosh, bet the over, take the biggest spread you could pro- possibly find in a lacrosse game. Poor Joel White. And man, off the hop, it really looked, oh, sorry, Joel Watson. I said off the hop, it didn't look good for the young man who just couldn't find any way to get his body in front of a lacrosse ball. And it was quickly 5 nothing, I think. And all signs point to that game getting really ugly, but they got through that first quarter, Patty. And I don't know what Dan or what Mike Hazen said to his group. And I don't know what Patty O'Toole said to his young goaltender, but they really just kind of settled down. And I think a lot of that has to go with a lot of credit to some of that leadership, Dan Dawson, uh, Danny Coates, Thomas Hogarth is in there in that part of that leadership group, Curtis Knight, but they were able to claw their way back and almost won that game. They end up outscoring New York the rest of the way after that first quarter, but it was nice to see Joel settle down in that lacrosse game. It was like four, nothing four minutes and 20 seconds into the game. And it looks like, you know, just Jolie did not fit in a national lacrosse league net. He looked all out out of sorts and I felt so bad for his headlights. And he is a great kid. Um, and you could tell that he is a great kid and a good teammate because these guys battled for him. Yeah, um, and he didn't get the hook. And I know Lucas Nagy is another young goaltender. So that maybe played a, a, a factor into why Hazen didn't yank him right away, yeah. but he allowed him to figure things out, uh, you know, and like you said, obviously there was something said to that group to battle for Watson and 
let's give him some credit as well. He looked way better once he made mm-hmm. a few stops later in the stretch and they almost turn things around and and come out with a victory but you take away that let's even say the first six minutes um because the it was five goals in that first six minutes so you take that away even if you just spot him a couple of goals there this is a completely different ball game um and rochester obviously that loss basically pulls them out out of the playoff race if you ask Ryan Smith and the rest of the group, they still believe. Um, but you got to absolutely love the fight that they had in them. And you got to love that this group here, um, you know, they obviously trade off a couple of pieces, but they believe in this group going forward. They think this team is going to be able to compete, maybe not this year, but next year. And seeing a guy like Thomas Hogarth score five goals and, and then yeah. add an assist. Um, he's a guy like once he's healthy, man, He's going to be a player for this unit. Uh, New York now sitting at three and eight. Um, they get their third win of the season. They're only, you know, a couple wins, three wins out of a playoff spot as it is right now. So they technically could go on a bit of a run, might be a little too late, but you know, they did make some additions to that offense with some, or to the defense with some picks and the addition of Brett Noseworthy. Uh, it would be nice to see if they could kind of continue to push because much like Panther city, if you can show that there is promise and there is a future in your organization, landing some free agents in the off season becomes a little easier than if you are just a team that is plundering and floundering away as the weeks go on. So it'll be interesting to see how New York kind of goes through those next few weeks, if they can start to make a serious push or if they begin to lose ground. So uh, great to see that, that, that New York team again, from, from Crawford and T, now Kiernan, Fields is playing. You're getting guys like Damo scoring in transition. This is a team that really, you know, much like Panther City, very similar. They're building that offense. So they just got to tweak that defense, find some pieces, and I think they really could be okay in, in years to come. Still not quite there yet, but not too far off. And I think that even if they're not here right now and they don't, get in the playoffs I think it's important for them to at least rack up some wins and at least get a little bit of that taste of must win lacrosse and not fall off here and play spoiler because yeah playing spoiler is fun and all but at the end of the day it really doesn't mean anything if you actually are in a little bit of a playoff race um, these young guys are going to know what must win lacrosse feels like and that's going to be very important when you are in the playoffs or when you are battling for for a playoff berth and just looking at their schedule like like you said it's going to be tough but it's not impossible they play albany obviously who is catching fire but that's a game that you know, anytime two division teams or conference teams meet, you know, it's going to be a, a battle. Then Philly, we know what's up with Philly. Colorado is a tough one on the road and then followed by Buffalo and then followed after that by Rochester. So there's some winnable games on the board. The, the big thing is we know they can fill the net. Will these key pieces that they brought in from the trade deadline on the defense be enough to kind of help bolster that defensive unit which let's be honest needs some help that's a look back at week 15 your players of the week uh dane smith two goals 10 assists for 12 points second time he's been named nll player of the week and for the third time this season with five goals six assists and 11 points 
It is Patrick Dodds of Panther City. So the boys balled out all over the weekend. Um, what was maybe your favorite moment overall uh, of this weekend? Was it, you know, the 20 burger? Was it the, the highlight real goals? Was it the goalie goal? What do you got? Man, it was, it really was such a good weekend. I think I'm going to go though with, and I know, <laughs> I know the T-Birds aren't going to be happy with me here, but I think seeing Albany and hearing Joe Rezateritz after that win say like, we know what we've got in this locker room. Uh, this, this is a team that believes we know we're better than our record. And just hearing him talk about that, it was very candid. It wasn't the cliches of saying like, you know, you know, that's a good team over there. And, you know, we had to stick to our principles. Like he was honest. There was a little bit of emotion there and he knew how important that win was. They go two and zero against a really good team in Halifax. So that was my favorite moment. Um, but there was a lot of great ones. What was yours? Um, I just, I truly love the fact that this young Panther city offense is, is starting to put up numbers and they haven't lost a game since February 20th. They're continually beating teams within their conference. Uh, and they're just buying into everything. Tracy Kluski is putting in front of them and they are buying it wholeheartedly. They're having fun. They're a young group. And, and Jake mentioned this on coast to coast this week. This is a team that, that moved on from Ryan Banesh and moved on from Taylor Stewart. You know, mm -hmm. th they believed that they already had enough. They didn't need those guys anymore. And they moved on from them. And, and that put a lot of confidence in that offense. And every time I see Patty Dodds uh, at our junior practices, every Monday, he's just got the biggest smile on his face. <laughs> he is having so much fun playing lacrosse right now. It is just unbelievable to see. And adding to that, the confidence that he now has, like, yes, he's playing against some of our, you know, prospects and draft picks and guys that are just maybe hoping one day to be a shamrock, but he is just absolutely torching our practice. <laughs> it is ridiculous to see. I cannot wait for him to be in our full offense and playing regular season games in junior, because it is just going to be an absolute treat to watch because what he's doing right now is just phenomenal. And I'm so happy for him, but you know, just as happy for Dean Farrow, who's kind of bounced around a bit. Um, you know, when you look at, the, the path that Cam Milligan has taken through the NLL and how he's been bouncing back and forth with Rochester and a couple other different teams and just hasn't been able to find a fit. And Panther City is like, hey, fine, Mike Trill, you're not working. Cam Milligan, come be our big body. And man, has he been good. Yeah. I mean, and like that, and that's the thing with this unit. It's, it's, yeah, Dodds is going off every night and Malcolm's having a, a great night as well. They're finding these other little pieces like here and there, you know, uh, Caputo, like Caputo's not lighting it up by any stretch of the imagination, but he's still playing his role. Uh, you know, he, and, and he's still contributing, but sorry, man, like you, you absolutely broke my brain because I forgot that Dodds still has another year of junior and that's going to be so unfair, <laughs> like so unfair. <laughs> It's ridiculous. Just watch him come out there. And he's just like, he's still going hundred percent, but he only looks like he's going 50% just because of how easy he makes it. And he caught a pass in a two on two drill where he was already like at center net right on top of the crease, but he caught across his body and just a little casual flip back to the short side pipe goal. He had no idea. Hey, just kind of jogs back, big smirk on his face. Like eh, this is easy. <laughs> awesome. Dumb. I love that. It's just dumb. I love that. 
Just the fact uh, that he's even there at, at practices. Because yeah, he, could he just be wants like to be out, man, right? Yeah. He, he just yeah. wants to be out. And it's just like, yo, we, we obviously limit his minutes because I, I don't need <laughs> TK hounding me. What the hell are you doing? Yeah, My guy's exactly. got a broken wrist. Yeah, I know. We're not we're not doing that, TK. We are yeah, not. put the red jersey on him. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, so that's week 15 uh, brought to you by Fanatics and NLLshop.com. If you want any of the NLL gear that you see some of the players wearing, some of the other fans wearing, make sure you head to Fanatics.com or, NLL shop, or Fanatics.ca, NLLshop.com and get your NLL license to pair. Look your best, be your best and your teams will hopefully play the best. Fanatics.ca and NLLshop.com. It is a Fanatics experience. So that's week 15. We've got week 16 coming up. We've also got Jordan Hall of the Georgia Swarm in a bit. But everything this week is all focused around the NLL trade deadline that went down Tuesday at noon Eastern time, and we kind of mentioned it. Uh, the Evans trade midweek last week kind of started the ball rolling. We thought we'd see some more teams follow suit, but the general consensus, Pat, around the league from GMs that I talked to and GMs that you talked to, they constantly said, unfortunately, we, we kind of got to wait to see how this weekend plays out, see who wins, see who loses, see who doesn't think they have a chance. But as I kind of alluded to, I had a feeling that this was going to happen. Albany was going to win. Georgia was going to win. Panther City was going to win. All these teams that were kind of maybe on the outskirts, they all kind of won, and they all kept themselves involved. And so we didn't see the home runs that we thought we would, but we did see some interesting deals. So we talked to the Rochester-Halifax one because that was last week. But then it starts off with Buffalo sending Brett Noseworthy and a fourth-round pick in 2022 to New York for a 2024 first round. And we thought, huh, that's a little weird. Why would Buffalo move on from Noseworthy and get another first? And then we thought, Pat, oh, maybe they're stockpiling picks to go after a horde of guys from Sask. Maybe that kind of was... Uh, an option for them. And I think general managers are never really going to turn their nose ups, you know, at first round picks and especially that it was a 2024. So um, obviously stockpiling for the future Noseworthy was a guy that was, you know, in and out of the lineup, a depth piece for them that they clearly felt that they could part ways with. And it's also a, a part of this game. Um, we're seeing less of it right now, with more teams coming into the league, but it's also an opportunity for Noseworthy to get a chance to be a everyday contributor, get a little more floor time. So you allow him uh, to grow from the outside, I think. And when we first saw this deal and I, I highly suggest going to lacrosseflash.com, Ty Mero does a great job breaking down this. Cause I think when you look at it right away, you're wondering like, what the heck is New York doing? Well, they ended up, down the line, which we'll talk about making another trade for some more defenders. So all in all, you know, they, they get some stuff back and it kind of pieces everything together, but off the hop, you're kind of wondering what is Jim Beltman doing? Clearly there was a plan in place. They believe in their offense, but they obviously know the defense has to be better. Uh, and that's one move that they did to try to get better defensively, not just for this year, but for years to come. 
Uh, all right, then we get Halifax sending Steph LeBlanc in the 2024 second to Panther City for Dawson Thede. And Dawson Thede just can't find a home, but now he actually kind of is going home because he's at mm-hmm. school in Halifax. Exactly, and I think that's a huge piece. Although, you know, if, if he is which I do believe he's still on the roster for St. Mary's University, the, the hockey team um, in U sports, uh, mm-hmm. and he's going to school still there. So he might not be able to make it out to, to do practices in 6 a unless he hops on a bird with uh, Kyle Jackson, who makes the long commute for practice out of Halifax. But this is a guy that is, you're right, he can't find a place, but I also think it's a testament to how great of a prospect he is. A lot of yeah. people see what he can be. He's big. He is mean. He's athletic and he's a very smart player. He's a guy that a lot of coaches speak very highly of him. He's 24, so he's not getting any younger, but I think he might be able to find a spot here with this roster and maybe the line of thinking, I don't, maybe it is feeds not going to be in the lineup all the time. And this allows them to go with three lefties and four righties. Um, allow Jammer to have the ball in his hand a little more. Not go with – because it, it seemed with all the p- firepower they had up front, they were having to go with eight forwards every single night. And sometimes if you're a forward, you need more touches. You need more shifts. You need more reps. and Or you kind of get out of flow or you're cold at some point. So maybe it was a fact that – you, you can't healthy scratch Steph LeBlanc every couple of games, whereas a guy like Thede is going to be okay with sitting, um, and it allows him and maybe Fennell and Jackson to have a little bit of a rotation for a while until they find what their best three-man unit is for the lefties. Uh, Dawson Thede played six games for Panther City, seven goals, 13 points, 21 loose balls. So uh, he does have some offensive flair, but what do you – like you kind of mentioned it, they, they just didn't want to continually having to scratch one of those bodies on that left side. But Seth LeBlanc is a Halifax guy. He lives there. He has family there. You just signed him as a UFA from New England, and now they move on from him. What happened? I, I don't know. Like, I honestly don't know if there was, you know, maybe there was something said after he, him being a healthy scratch. Uh, I really don't know what has happened. I know that he's a guy that's a fierce competitor. He obviously didn't enjoy being scratched on Saturday. So I don't know if there was something said. I don't know if it was just the fact of the matter is that they thought that maybe he was going to be the odd man out because a guy like Fennell starting to produce. Um, he's also a guy that can crash and bang. Um, and, and maybe they feel like this this offense is just more productive when there's three uh, three lefties and four righties. And you just can't keep healthy scratching them. I don't know. I wish I, I had the answers, Teddy. Um, but this is just a, a case where I think it, they had to make a tough decision. They've had to make some tough decisions before. And it just goes to show you, you know, if they have to part ways with a guy that's living in market, they're, they're going to do it if it's going to help them be a better team. Um, so then we thought, okay, Panther City now has Steph LeBlanc. They had another veteran piece, a good big body power forward type, which would look great in an offense in years to come. But then they quickly flip him to Georgia for a 2022 second. So Panther City, maybe they were a byproduct for Georgia. Maybe Georgia heard some rumblings that 
Steph LeBlanc was, it was maybe on the block, but Halifax didn't want to trade him in conference. So they shipped him to Panther city who then ships him back to the East for, to Georgia. So an interesting move, but maybe a lateral move as a third party. As soon as he was shipped to Panther city, there was no way he was going to report. I mean, the, the travel from Halifax to to Fort Worth is just less than ideal. So I think maybe it was a case where, you know, Hamley was like, we'll take him. If he doesn't yeah. report, we'll find somewhere to go. Or maybe they even knew he wasn't going to report and they knew that they could flip him. Or like you said, you know, put the tinfoil hat on and maybe it was a, a, a little bit of an inside job. They knew that they would be able to get him um, and not really wanting to have to deal with Arlotta and a, a, a you know, a, a general manager, a team that you're, potentially playing in the postseason, So that, that is probably, uh, could be an option as well, but LeBlanc goes to a Georgia team that, you know, in years past, it's like, there's no way they're adding any sort of veteran presence. They're littered with veteran talent, but this year, obviously with a lot of guys moving, sitting out, they're a team that certainly will not, you know, miss, um, or not, want to not have a guy that's going to crash and bang and have that veteran presence. And you heard Hall, uh, he said that, you know, they kind of play similar roles. So that's going to be a tough offense to play against when you have finesse guys like Lyle, like Jackson, and then you've got some big bodies uh, crashing around and, and making defenders lives hell. Yeah. I think they needed to get bigger on the lefty side. Cause Shane's is a little guy. Jordan's a little guy. Yep. Ethan Walker's not the biggest guy. So adding Seth LeBlanc there, Gives a Great little point. more size and, and and another another bit of a ball carrier because those other guys are kind of banger crasher type guys. So mm-hmm. I think it's a, actually a really good addition for Georgia. Now you can run Lyle, Bomber, and, and Mac as your three righties. You can go strong left. Uh, but I think that was a nice move for them. And if it was a workaround, great job by by Andy or, or by John Arlotta and and Eddie Camo and and that group to to make that deal happen because. Yeah, I think that's a nice little fit for them. But you know what? For Panther City, uh, they moved guys. They got some more picks, and and we continue to talk about how good this team is now. Um, Bolstering picks for future drafts is never a bad thing when you're a growing expansion club. Uh, The New York Riptide sent Tyson Gibson to Colorado for Tyler Digby, Ron John, and a 2024 first. So that's a bit of a haul for a former number round uh, overall pick and the reigning rookie of the year. New York gets Digby back. He was a member of their team a few years ago. They get a young transition star, uprising star in Ron John and a first rounder. So that kind of circumvents the first rounder they lost in the noseworthy deal. Yeah. And it might end up being maybe even being a better pick, depending on what the pick is. But for Colorado, you know, they move on from Digby, but they bring in Gibson. And now he's going to fit in that offense with the likes of Ryan Lee and, and Zed Williams and Eli McLaughlin. So Colorado doesn't think they're out of it, but I think, do you think they overspent to get Tyson Gibson? If Tyson Gibson turns out to be the prospect that we all expected him to no, you could argue that, that maybe it's a steal, but right now looking at it, that's a lot to give up. But I, I I'm going to say this right now. We, especially us as media are so quick to just say there's a winner and a loser of a trade right away as well. Like, first off, let's let the trade play out. And here's another thing. It's not always one GM getting fleeced and the other GM 
you know, getting away with highway robbery. Like this is just a good lacrosse trade. You know, New York, you mentioned gets Digby back a guy that's, uh, you know, will be more of a crasher and a banger to free up some space on that right-hand side. Ron John is an electric defender that is going to help bolster a, a, a defense in New York that needs a lot of help and needs some more athleticism. And then they also, yeah, exactly. And then on the flip side, Gibson, that's so early to give up on a guy that's a first round pick. And yes, maybe he didn't look like he did fit in our first overall pick, but he could go to uh, to Colorado and absolutely light it up and rejuvenate his career, which is not even two seasons into it. So (laughs) this is a deal that we can have two winners. We could also have two losers doesn't work out as well but let's not just be so quick to say one team got robbed because this is a good deal for both teams and i'm super stoked for tyson gibson because he's such a special player and I, I it sucks when he's not producing as much as you probably should goes into a different offense goes into an offense that i think he's gonna fit really well within and i can't wait to see what he can do with lee yeah, he's only put up uh, two points in his last two games. He's only put up six points in his last three games. So it has been a bit of a struggle over the last few games. And with the emergence of, you know, Kier, uh, of Connor Kiernan and with the emergence of Larson Sundown and Jake Fox playing the way he is, it's strange to think that the reigning rookie of the year became the odd man out in that offense. But if you're Colorado, you will take him. Um, Digby comes in, like you said, big body moves around, they get transition, they get younger, they get faster and they get a pick back. So, um, yeah, let's let that play out. But I was just asking the question, if you thought Colorado maybe paid too much, but it may turn out to be just the right amount. Philadelphia sends Anthony Jokum and a 2022 third to Colorado for Sam LeClaire and a 2022 second. So this is kind of what we were talking about earlier with Philadelphia is that they weren't really buyers. They weren't really sellers, but they were taking a lot of calls. They made some sort of lateral movements to get younger out the front door, to get faster on the back end, to get younger on the back end um, and retain some picks. So Paul day was, was a busy man on the phone. This is one of the two moves that he made. Um, And I think this is maybe one of those deals where it's a win-win. And I, I think this will one, I don't think you ever really want to, you know, part ways with a guy like Anthony Jokum. Like he was one of their most consistent defenders that plays with a lot of pace, moves the ball well up the floor. He can score in transition, but at the end of the day, again, goes back to the narrative. You, GMs aren't just going to always get fleeced. Like you, you have to give up something good. Um, to get something great in return. So they weren't going to just get LeClaire for free. This is a guy that when he's been in the lineup has produced at points. And what does everyone, including ourselves, have been saying that has been missing from that wings offense? It's been that water bug. It's been a guy that plays, you know, with a high energy, can score from the middle. He's not always just an outside player. And yes, he's 5'10 and he's smaller, but he's not afraid to get his nose dirty. And maybe this is a spark plug that this offense needs. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do in the offense. And at the end of the day, what was working or what wasn't working with the unit that they had, he's not going to make them worse. Like, let's just be frank. They put up five, five frigging goals last week. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays. I, 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 I they just need a shot of adrenaline, and I think Sam McClair does that. And so, a great find for Sam. He was kind of in and out of that Colorado lineup. So uh, we will see how that plays out. Philadelphia makes one more move, and it was the last move of the deadline, sending former 50 goal scorer Brett Hickey to the San Diego Seals for a 2024 second rounder. Now Hickey was scheduled to be a UFA at the end of the year, so there was the possibility possibility that they lose him in free agency. Um, but San Diego felt they needed to get deeper on the right side. So they add him to Berg, Noble, and Trey LeClaire on that right side. We talked about Austin Stats being hurt. Dane Doby hasn't been Dane Doby-esque in the last month or so. Trey LeClaire has been really good on that right side. He's kind of fluctuated. And Mack will keep quite hasn't found his full game, but you still have Zach Greer. Casey Jackson's kind of healthy again. Is this, this is obviously them trying to get deeper and find more offense because they see what the other teams in the East, especially are putting up for numbers. But is this a good fit for them? When, when the trade happened, I was like, man, am I like, am I crazy here? Does, does, does Hickey, does he, am I nuts? Does he shoot left? Like, cause this doesn't make sense. Like, because all signs would show to them going out and bolstering up their left-hand side with, you know, uh, Dane Doby being banged up, Austin Stotts um, clearly on the shelf for a little while here, but Similar, probably, situation like what we heard with uh, Halifax last week with Kurt Styers. And anytime you can add a player like Sean Evans, it's a no-brainer. Well, Brett Hickey's not doesn't have the career that Sean Evans has had, but he's still a 50-goal scorer. He's still a guy that on that power play, if things aren't working, he can rip one in the back of the cage. So um, if you can get him for a low price, which they did, it was a no-brainer for them then they're going to figure out how they can fit him in. And if it doesn't fit in, sorry, Brett, like it's just not working at this point. Right. So they're a team that's all in. So if that was the move that they thought would be able to make them closer to being a championship team without rocking the boat too much, I think that's the move that they did. And I'll tip my cap to them. Um, So that's the deadline. Um, What was the strangest rumor you heard whether it be from a fan thinking something might get done or through your channels of something that might get done. Um, what was the strangest, wildest one that you heard? Well, I'll leave the one that I think you and I both heard yeah. because this one was banana lands. But for <laughs> me, I think the craziest one was the fact that Rochester was ready to trade literally everyone. And I don't know how true this is. Everyone except for Ryan Smith and Ryland Reese. Everyone else pretty much was, was open. That's what I heard. I don't know how true it is, 
but they were open to trade. So I was thinking, oh, well, Curtis Knight is gone. Like, yeah. would would Sask not want to grab him? You're thinking, oh, well, Paul Dawson, like a, a team would love to add some defensive depth and leadership there. Maybe Holden Katoni, a team could use a lefty. Well, nothing really happened. So obviously, I think that rumor maybe wasn't true. And Dan Carey had a lot more faith in his group and wasn't trying to blow things up. But that was probably the second craziest thing I heard because yeah. I know the thing that you and I both heard <laughs> um, was by had, far the craziest. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had one uh, fan down in San Diego um, throw out the fact that they should go after Trevor Baptiste and Corey Small. I was like, eh, that's a little, that's a little out there, but the way Philadelphia was playing, you know, they're kind of slipping. I, I could see it. I, well, not really. I could see it, but. It was, oh, that's kind of an interesting thought. But, and the reason this actually becomes even crazier is because not only did we hear it through some of our sources on our channels, but I started hearing this from players. And when players are telling you that this is what they're hearing, it's usually because they're hearing it from other players and whether it's the broken telephone game or whether it's, oh my God, can you believe what this guy tried to do? They tried to get this player. So we had heard, whether it was Saskatchewan, and I, we believe that it was Saskatchewan asking for in a deal with Buffalo that involved Chase Fraser. <laughs> and I said, there is no way, absolutely zero chance that any deal that happened between Buffalo and Saskatchewan would include Buffalo trading away Chase Fraser. No way. There is literally no chance that happens. And that just goes to show you how high the asking price was for some of mm -hmm. these UFAs for Sask. And that's with the comp pick, man. Like you're automatically yeah. getting a first round pick for these guys. So the conversation, we talked about it last week, is first round pick plus significant player. It's just not happening. One, yeah. you talk about playoff run, you talk about guys that are going to play a factor. Well, Chase Fraser is going to be that. Yes, he's not lighting the world on fire when it comes to, to point production, like the Dane Smiths or the Josh Burns or even, even Connor Fields or Chris Cloutier. Like, uh, But he scores big goals. He does all the little things. He is uh, obviously loved in that room and loved in that, that fan base. There's just no way he was going. The only forward I could actually see being traded was your island boy i boy. yeah i thought that and was that's just I because that's just because natural that's just because he's only played four games yeah and so he's that, a lefty that, which kind of saskatchewan kind of needs yeah so that seemed like a, a, a no-brainer but maybe maybe buffalo wasn't ready to to yeah. even part ways with them because they see expansion coming up Hundred percent. They're going to. They are going to lose. They're going to lose someone, right? So, yeah. Um, maybe the line of thinking could have been, "Well, we're going to lose them anyways." But again, who the heck? And this is a, a discussion for later. But Buffalo, once it comes to expansion time, who the heck are you leaving unprotected on that roster, especially on that offense? Like, just what you can protect five guys out the six, the five guys out the front. I believe it was. I think it was five. Dane, Josh, Kluch, Fields, Dehoga, Buchanan, Fraser. 
okay, you got to leave a couple of those guys exposed. That's what I mean. Like, so like it's one of those guys are gone. So they're going to possibly need McCauley next year. Right. Yeah. So yeah, good point. that's also probably a reason why there were some prospects that maybe you thought would have got dealt that didn't because yeah. expansions keep, keep on coming. We know for sure there's one team coming in next year and um, there's going to be some good players exposed for that Vegas team to, to get their fingers on. Uh, overall, a lot of shuffling by the mid-level teams. Not a lot of move from the big dogs up top, but it was a supply and demand. Saskatchewan had the supply. Teams had a demand, but no one could really find that mutual ground. That's generally how it happens at NLL trade deadline. Uh, before we get to our guest this week, Jordan Hall, um, Adam Levy posted a poll on Twitter uh, out of the three teams that made moves and have winning records, still crazy that only five teams have winning records in the National Classic right now. Um, Seals, Mammoth, and T-Birds, who positioned themselves the best? Whew, this is tough. And I saw the poll. Actually, I want to pull it up now because I'd be interested to see what the results are. Uh, 65% Mammoth. 18.4% San Diego, 15.8% Halifax. I think I would have to lean towards what the fans were saying with the mammoth. But that being said, I think the ceiling is higher for this year for a team like Halifax, because if Evans finds his groove in that offense and they're able to figure out a way that offense goes from, you know, a top offense to now being able to compete with Buffalo for high powered offenses. And then on the flip side with the seals, if Hickey seems to work in there, that's another thing, but I think low ceiling and also setting yourself up, which, you know, isn't really a part of it, but going forward, it's for sure the mammoth for the future Because now you've got a potential, well, not a potential, a former first overall pick, a former rookie of the year, and a guy that can completely change the dynamic of your offense, not just for this year, but for the future. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. It's funny, as we talk about it, Evans to Halifax, Hickey to San Diego, very similar kind of moves, just trying to find a spark and adding some depth. A team that did that, was the Georgia Swarm. They added Steph LeBlanc. He's now going to be reunited with his buddy, Jordan Hall. We'll have to see what he thinks about all the madness. This is Jordan Hall, last place in the PMI, right here on the Off the Crossbar Podcast. So they acquire Steph LeBlanc to play alongside Jordan Hall. Let's see how he feels about it. Now on the show, the Georgia Swarm. Halsey, what's going on, my man? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. Um, I want to get this out of the way first. Uh, There's been a lot of talk about the kangaroo court these days. A lot of it's been uh, because of Thunderbirds 360 and the work that Jake Withers is doing as their judicial head. But what's the secret to running a smooth kangaroo court in the NLL? Just absolutely ruling with an iron fist. Just uh, <laughs> no room for middle ground, just absolute stall in action. Uh, you know, uh, milking the rookies. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's just, again, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed doing it. I had uh, Chris Schiller 
showed me the ropes when I was actually with Rochester back in the day. And, um, you know, I think it's a great way to uh, keep guys a little bit of accountable, uh, especially rookies, as well as uh, just have some fun, poke fun at each other and uh, uh, enjoy the weekend a little bit more. What's the most egregious fine you've ever heard of? Uh, just off the top of my head, there's been a lot over the years. Um, you know, there's been some rookies who have been max fine just about every week. Uh, uh, Rambo in Philly was one of those guys. Um, there were some other guys back in the day, but, uh, just off the top of my head, I, I remember our captain, Jordan McIntosh, um, you know, uh, <laughs> the, you know, gives a lot of speeches about commitment and being there. And uh, as soon as training camp schedule, no, it was our first game of the year, a year ago. And he said, uh, I've already got a book, boys. I'll be in Argentina with Joel White. And so they actually missed a game uh, for a vacation. So uh, that was pretty bad. I think that was, that might've been, usually we do a, a, a max of 20 bucks a week. And that was a hundred dollar fine. <laughs> <laughs> Say goodbye to your per diem. Exactly. Exactly. He's he, listen, he's doing well for himself. He's got a nice contract yeah. and he's, he's stable outside of it. So he's, that was probably too, that was probably too light. Shane Jackson was pushing for way higher. <laughs> I believe that that's awesome. A guy that has been in his fair share of uh, kangaroo course sessions. Teddy brought it up off the top. Steph LeBlanc uh, joins your guys left side. Uh, what are you most uh, looking forward to, uh, to have LeBlanc in the lineup here? I, honestly, um, you know, I've only, I've, I've got to play with, uh, uh, with LeBlanc sparingly. Um, I've played with a lot of guys in the league, especially the older guys, uh, with the uh, travel that I've done around the league. But um, I've always really liked uh, Steph's game. Um, we got to play together at the World Indoors in Prague, um, you know, years ago. And um, we kind of alternated roles. We're, we're, we're somewhat similar, uh, I think, uh, as players. But um, I've always loved the way he played. Um, he, he cuts a lot. He works really hard on and off ball. He sets a ton of picks. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's definitely a better outside shooter than I am. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm really excited with, uh, with Steph coming in and being able to open up uh, some room for, for the left side, as well as kind of adding that element of, uh, of cuts and just getting themselves open. How has how your body uh, held up this year? Obviously, you know, the, the two year break because of COVID has hurt some guys. It's helped a lot of guys. Um, it, it's allowed guys to, you know, obviously spend time with family away from the game of lacrosse, but how, how's the body holding up now that we're kind of three quarters into the, into the season after quite a break? Yeah. I mean, uh, for, for, uh, I'm sure, you know, like soupy, uh, Campbell, um, some of the, you know, Vino even, but Vino's a different animal. Um, he takes oil. Um, but, uh, <laughs> for, you know, as, as you get older, I think the, really the big thing is it's just a weekly wear and tear because, because we play and then travel commercial. And usually there's like a lack of sleep because of travel time and then layovers and things like that. And then, you know, by the time you poke your head up or, or feel somewhat regular, it's, it's Monday, and then you're easing into it. Um, and, and then you're really just focused on recovery as you get older. So, um, you know, I, I would say the body is, uh, is definitely not what it used to be. The, t the lag time on recovery takes a little bit longer. I would love game, game, game by week as my schedule uh, for the entire year, because I, I just think that extra two weeks kind of heals things up. So I, I haven't had any, you know, kind of injuries this year, but uh, 
you know, you get a little bit sore and it kind of lingers and stays with you, which is, is kind of been the difference this year, I think. You got those like travel leg sleeves that everyone has, like hypo back your the, legs when you're the, sitting in the hotel rooms. Yeah, I think Dawson wears those when he plays, doesn't he? <laughs> he wears them all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah no, I, I don't have those. And the and the young guys on the team would just make fun of me even more. Yeah. I mean, I've got I've got probably five pounds of like this stretchy tape now that you know I wear one over my knee, kind of keeps it compressed. I got it on my wrist for like keeping my pads up, but you know it ends up on my on other injuries. So uh, I don't think I'd do as well with a. Uh, with i don't need any more of that that's for sure you don't need the, any uh, more weight slowing you down no and and just you know i couldn't handle the verbal assault from the young guys calling me, <laughs> call me that would be a, and things like yeah, yeah hey, that would be a standard fine exactly exactly they'll just get me a wheelchair for uh, the tunnel <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, it, it was uh it was a big weekend for a couple of veterans including yourself 100 points for you uh congratulations by the way 100 uh wins for mike pool and how nice was it to celebrate the the two big milestones together but i know what you're gonna say arguably um the bigger moment was that huge win against halifax on saturday no, I was going to go right to my point total. Definitely going to go directly. <laughs> to, no, it was uh, obviously beating Halifax was was huge. Um, we needed it. It puts us in a really good spot. Um, you know, the longer the longer you play, I think the the more you realize it's about the experience itself as well as winning. Like championships bind teams together. Um, you know, funny. I, I got a text from. Uh, Eddie Como about a clip that he saw online. He sent it to me and then I shared it with uh, Jeff Snyder and uh, Vino and, uh, and Brody. And just, again, you know, that was from a team Canada championship thing that we were sharing with each other. So, you know, definitely winning uh, is you, you realize as you get older, that's what you remember. You remember the championships with, you know, you, you, you do something really hard and difficult and fight for it together. And that's what you end up remembering. So, you know, I'm, 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 I'm very happy about the win on the weekend. It puts us in a very good spot or a much better spot, even though there's a lot of uh, season left, but um, yeah, with, with Poulin, Poulin's my roommate on the road. Um, you know, uh, we've had, we've had bomber walk into our room, uh, Brendan Bomberry and, you know, he, he always makes the joke, Oh, it smells like a retirement home in here. And, you know, he's, <laughs> he's all over us, but um, you know, me and Poulin really get along. He's an awesome guy. And, you know, his, his, his record, I had 800 points, which is, which is, I'm very proud of. I, I'm, you know, I owe, owe that a lot to <laughs> passing to Casey Powell and Randy Stotts and, and Lyle over the years and, and getting me assists and things like that. But uh, you know, there's, I think there's a lot more guys. Well, there are a lot more guys that have gotten to 800 points and, you know, Poulin's what fourth guy to get to hundred and he's only got, it'd be really cool. Cause I think he's yeah. four away from passing somebody else for, I think third all time, which would be awesome. Right. Is that you guys, you, yeah, who is I, that? I it's like one Oh five, I think. And he's, he's passing, you know, I think it's Goalie Watson. Sees, maybe Goalie wins. Yeah. He's five away from passing Waddy. He's Watson, seven yeah. away from passing O'Toole. He's, yeah, he's, so. he's 20, he's 30 away from passing that guy named Matt Vince, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That jerk. But um, no, that, <laughs> that, was, that, that was cool. And it was cool. It was on the same night and um, you know, uh, Poulin deserved it. He played awesome that night. Uh, our D holding them under uh, 10 goals is, is no easy feat. Uh, you guys are now sitting at 500, six and six, six games left. Uh, you're currently now in a postseason spot as a veteran in that room. What's the message you keep stressing to your, your guys? 
Well, just, you know, um, I think Eddie made a good point, right? Yeah. You start looking at like, well, if this team wins or we need help here, because it's, you just got to focus on beating teams because what's the point of getting to playoffs? If you're, if you're worried about, you know, what happens on the other side, you just gotta, you gotta win. Right. And um, the nice thing is, and and what I keep telling the guys is just like, let's just keep putting ourselves in a position where, you know, right now, if if we win our games, we're in the playoffs, right. You never want to be in that position where it's a little bit out of your control. Uh, That's where you start to, to watch the league standings. Right. So um, you know, just focus on us, focus on, on us beating uh, whoever we play. Is Chad Tutton underrated outside of Metro Atlanta? Is he underrated outside of Metro Atlanta? Um, uh, yeah, I think, I think Chad is, and Chad's playing really well this year. Yeah. Um, Chad is, uh, we call it, we call him Wreck-It Ralph. Um, <laughs> he, uh, you know, he's, he's just kind of big and, and, you know, he's probably the, one of the hardest cross checkers in the league, which is a, I don't think it's a metric they, uh, they really measure, but um, he's just that guy. He's just big body. He always has a couple big hits for, I don't know what's happened, but he, he got a prescription change. Uh, he's knocking down a ton of passes and, and intercepting balls. Um, I think he's missed two empty netters this year though. So we got to work on that. He's been fined a few times in court for that. That's a, five <laughs> That's buck. a huge fine. Yeah. 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 Out West. It, it's always a case of beer, which is like a $40 yeah, fine. Yeah. But uh <laughs> You know, in the, in the NLL, it works a little different. We, we always just go five bucks, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, Chad, Chad's, Chad is definitely underrated. I think he's had an awesome year. Um, and uh, he, he has been like a, a big physical factor on our defense. Crazy to think that, you know, he is one of the older guys on this defensive unit coming into this season, a lot of uncertainty with this defense. I think it's kind of taken a little while for them to figure things out, but Man, what they've been able to do with so much inexperience, um, you got to be pretty impressed with what the defensive unit has done up to this point. Yeah, yeah. And I'll probably get fined for this, but I remember calling my dad after training camp and just going, I don't know. I, I don't know who our defense is. And because uh, he was asking me, you know, hey, who's on D and who, you know, what's that going to look like? And, you know, we have extra guys at camp. And I was like, I have no idea. I have no idea what it's going to look like. And, um, uh, you know, there, there's been some like just guys that I knew could play, you know, they've stepped in and, and done a great job guys like, you know, spads I, I had seen before. And um, uh, we've had some other guys though, like, uh, like uh, TJ Camizio and Connor Kirst. Yeah. I mean, they've been huge for us. They're, they're taking draws. They're picking up a million loose balls. They're figuring out the game. Um, I think in our tryout, Connor was, you know, splitting down the alley and then, you know, you're like, oh my God, this guy's going to be on our defense. And, you know, he had an unbelievable goal last game and he's been uh, a big piece of our defense kind of out of nowhere. And so we've got, you know, Huddy and all these young guys too, these rookies that have uh, stepped in. So it is funny to think Tutton's like the old Wiley vet. And um, (laughs) even a guy, even a guy like Colsey, like he's kind of floated between O and D. Um, but he's been, he's been awesome on the back end. So no, I, I mean, uh, pleasantly surprised and, you know, tip of the cap to our coaching staff and to pool in and, and those guys kind of coaching them down there. But, uh, yeah, it's been, I, I didn't expect, uh, as well as they, uh, as well, I didn't expect the results to be as good as they've been, um, so far. So yeah, no, it's, it's been great. Uh, when was the last time you were back home in the mean streets of Surrey? Surrey, I'm a White Rock boy. 
Oh, White Rock. Okay, Club. let's try that again. Three, two, one. Uh, when was the last time you were uh, back in the main streets of White Rock? No, I'm, I'm just kidding. I, I only used to tell <laughs> girls that. No, uh, I'm a sorry, boy. <laughs> um but uh yeah i i ended up getting to go home actually uh what uh three weeks ago so i had actually just switched jobs outside of lacrosse and so i was able to kind of take a little time off and and was able to fly home and um so only three weeks ago i was, I was back in surrey and, and yeah 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 love the west coast i wish i could afford to live there uh, how long had it been since you've been back like how much had it changed since last time you saw it well you know i kind of I, I, I kind of lucked out. I mean, it was, it was a big gap, right? But um, if you remember when the pandemic started, uh, was it March two years ago, essentially? So yeah, yeah. our last game uh, that we, well, maybe the second to last game was in Vancouver, February 29th. It was a leap year. And so we actually got to, I actually got to go home right like exactly before the pandemic Oh, wow. uh, locked everybody down. And then, um, you know, I think it was a full year before I got to go year and a half before I got to go see my family, but I was, I was home once in the summer and then, uh, I, I was just back, uh, recently. Um, I now give you the floor to not only try and justify your abysmal showing in the Patty Merrill invitational, um, but also to, uh, mm. rave what made Matt Vince such a great GM on the way to his title. <laughs> I, listen, I didn't even know who won. All right. I, uh, I, <laughs> Uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't think I did a great job updating my, uh, my roster throughout the year. These are all classic excuses. I'm trying to think of more mm -hmm. that I could give you guys. Do you uh, auto draft too or what? <laughs> I should have, I think yeah. if, if you finish last, I think that's how it works. But uh, yeah, no, I, I don't have any excuses. I got to be better. Uh, I will be better. Uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to pass that toilet trophy I got in the mail uh, to somebody else next year um how how fun was it to because i kind of got invited to that group by mikey mcclellan but how nice of it is, is it to be sort of in that chat group a lot of your old orlando guys that just kind of allows you guys to stay in touch yeah listen i i you know uh, i guess it was patty that maybe came up with it and uh yeah uh you know mike mcclellan was an unbelievable gm tip of the cap to the maestro but um you know, for everybody that doesn't know, it was a, a, a fantasy football pool and, it, you know, it had Casey Powell and Patty Merrill and who else was in there? Bill Greer. Matty and, Ulrich, Kurt yeah. Wagger, uh, Jamie Rooney's in there. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot you of the, mean, a lot of the old Mino, boys. Yeah. Good group. Yeah. Good group. Of guys. Yeah. Really, really good group. And uh, I mean, honestly, for anybody out there that uh, is listening, uh, you got, you got a group that you, you haven't talked to in a while. There's nothing better to center it around than fantasy football because it's just trash talking and catching up. So it was, yeah. it was, and awesome. no one's ever really any good at it. No, you no. And of course, go. Yeah. Of course, you know, wins, of course, what hasn't yeah, that right? guy won? Of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, huge game for you guys this weekend against Albany, uh, a chance for, for you guys to continue to make a statement, keep pushing forward uh, on your March to your playoffs. Uh, Halsey, I appreciate this man. Congratulations on 800. Uh, all the best this weekend and everything going forward, my friend. All right. Thanks guys. All right, that's Jordan Hall. Um, we won't beleaguer him about his style of GMing, but um, <laughs> I, I, I just love the kangaroo court. Like you said off the hop, it's, it's a great way to kind of bring the team together. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you can, like they, we always talk about, you can find people for just about anything. Uh, I could find you for your dog barking, but I won't. Um, <laughs> but 
when you listen to him talk about the longevity of his career and what guys like Soupy and Dawson and Vino are doing, uh, it's just great to see those veterans still having success in the game today. You're muted. I was muted because my dog is going crazy here <laughs> and I, I can't afford any more fines here, but no, honestly, man, like I think it's, it's just so understated that I think in our game, um, you know, we're, we, we're, we're always celebrating the young guys. We're always celebrating um, the guys that are at the top of their game. But if you ask those championship teams or the teams near the top, they can't stress how important those guys that have been in the league for a long time. And maybe they're not playing to the prime of their career, but what they do away from the field um, away from the floor and inside the locker room or even at the airport and in the hotel room, keeping the guys together, that is almost as important as what they're doing on the floor. Yeah, I completely agree. It, when you can have a team that is so tightly bonded that there's no clicks mm-hmm. and you know, there's, you're not, you know, just completely separating into these small factions and stuff like that. I think that's why Buffalo has been so successful is just the nucleus of that core chaos guy group. And those guys have been living in Buffalo for like the last four or five seasons together, even before they were all part of the chaos together. So when you can have those types of chemistry, uh, you know, and it just bleeds into everything you do as an organization, it just goes so far in the success of your culture and having veterans like Jordan Hall in those rooms, in that locker room, on the bus, keeping things light, but knowing when you got to flip the switch and be serious is just instrumental to team success. So uh, appreciate Halsey stopping by, giving us some time. Uh, congratulations on the new job, my friend. Uh, glad he was able to get up to the mean streets of Surrey. I love how he says, oh, it's just what I tell the girls I'm from White Rock. <laughs> Such a beauty, man. Such, such a, a beauty. Great, such a great, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. We have been on the struggle bus when it comes to our mm-hmm. box bets. And it generally is because our one quote unquote lock gets picked and we get screwed right off the hop. But we're going to go a little different this week. So we can have some fun. See if we can get back on the winning track. Time now for box bets. Your source for all the lines, odds, and props across the NLL. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> all right, we thought of a few different things to do this week. We thought about going for one straight team to have a big weekend, as a couple of clubs have two games this weekend. Um, but you thought of an interesting one just because of how many goals we've been seeing the last few weeks. Listen, everyone knows I love defense. I love a tightly contested lacrosse game. Defense wins championships. Well, you know what? Defense doesn't win you money in the betting game. Nobody likes betting the under. Nobody wants to cheer for no goals. Everyone wants to see the action. So what we're doing is the grand salami. And if you're not aware of what that is, what we're going to do is take the over. We're taking the over of the entire week. 
So what we need is more than 130 and a half goals scored during the entire weekend of the NLL. And we cash some money here. Yes, the, the odds aren't nearly as juicy as they normally are. We're working at plus 125. So the folks at CoolBet still boosted for us. Normally on a Grand Salami, it's even on both sides. You're looking at about 115. Well, they said, no, we'll boost it even more for yes. We're not even going to give you an option to take the no, because we need all the positive vibes. There's one option over, over, over plus 25. That's your OTCB boosted odd parlay for this week. The number, how many do we got to get? 135. And that's the thing. Someone might be like, oh, well, why don't you just parlay all the overs in the game? And that's a way bigger uh, win. But we don't need the over to hit in every single game. We can have 30 in one game. You know, we can have 20 in one game. As long as the total of the entire weekend goes over 130.5 goals, we're good. That's an average of 19.2 eight goals per game over the seven games this weekend. And we've well, got I mean, three just, teams playing back to back. If you just look at the overs, it's, you know, 22 and a half, 21 and a half, 21 and a half, 21 and a half, 22 and a half, 21 and a half. So this game's not supposed to be easy. It's not always supposed to be about, you know, cashing that, that, that ticket easy. So it's going to, it might be a bit of a challenge, but Let's cheer for some goals. Not broadcasting this this weekend. We have a Thursday game. So the action starts even early. St. Patty's Day in the midst of college basketball, March Madness. So uh, cheer for goals. Cheer for goals. Cheer for goals. Uh, You mentioned it. Uh, It's 135 goals. Let's make it happen. If you are a goalie, Get the heck out of the way. We need some goals this weekend. Don't be doing anything silly. Don't be, you know, running to save an empty netter late in the game. Don't even talk about that, Teddy. Don't even even talk talk about about that. that. And all you forwards, wait until you're like three feet in front of the empty net. Bury it with purpose. Uh, Again, if you want to hop on and play along with our fun, head over to coolbet.com. See the little green icon up in the corner. We'll match or... oh. They will match up to $200 in your first deposit. And when you do, make sure you put in that promo code OTCB. All right. Week 16. We want all of the goals. And as Patty said, no TSN game of the week this week because of the madness that is March. But we have Thursday lacrosse. This is a makeup game. Saskatchewan, three and eight. At three and six, Calgary. Yes, Calgary's only played nine games so far. A huge weekend for both these clubs that were silent at the deadline. This will be a very interesting contest. It's going to be interesting, and it's it's got a lot on the line. And I'll let you talk about the one side. I'll take the Stask side because I know with Calgary, you, bring, you brought up some interesting points about this unit. And I was actually really intrigued about it, but let's stick with Sask. Yes, three and eight right now. It's very grim, but if there is going to be a team that can go on a run, get into the playoffs, that's all they need to do. There is so much belief in this locker room that they just need to get in the postseason. They sat on their hands, yes, because one, the asking price was very high for these UFAs, but 
they also know that they're not that far out of it. And if they can get in, they have full belief that they can go on a run. Playoff lacrosse starts right now in Sask, and I think they can do it with the defense led by Matthews. And then with that defense, the black hole, like the talent that they have on the on the defensive end, they have been, oh, I want to say overperforming. They've been carrying their bargain. The defense has been unbelievable all season long. The offense is now starting to heat up. If they can get some goaltending from Eric Penny, there's no reason they can't go on a run. But it all starts with this game on Thursday night against a team that if you're going to make the postseason, you're going to have to hop them anyways. Yep, and, and this is essentially my point, but for the other team. Calgary's only played nine games. They've got two games this weekend. Saskatchewan's got two games this weekend. Colorado's got two games this weekend. Vancouver's only got one. If things go or if things go Calgary's way, they can vault Vancouver and be in third position in the NLL Western Conference right now. They're going to play nine games in seven weeks. They have a very difficult schedule ahead of them. But this is a team that, remember everybody, still the defending champions of the National Lacrosse League. Take it for what it is. They still have Christian Del Bianco. They still have Curtis Dixon. They still have Der- or Derek Moss. They still have Kurt Miloski behind the bench. This is a championship team that has incredible leadership, incredible experience, and guys that know and want to win. It hasn't gone their way so far to start the season. It's been one of the craziest starts to a season I've ever seen a team, and thank in part all of it due to COVID. But they still have half their season to go. They could say, hey, you know what? It's 0-0. That is our record. We have a nine-game schedule. If we go 75% in those games, we will make the playoffs. Much like what Jordan Hall said. If we just win our games, we're in. Well, if Calgary can win their games, they'll probably get in. Mm -hmm. And I think it starts this weekend, and it is going to be a huge test for them. And it all starts Thursday at home. And they do play twice at home this weekend, so keep that in mind. Friday, Mm -hmm. Vancouver at Colorado. The Mammoth have the season series, but which team will bounce back best from a dismal performance in week 15? I would say if I'm a betting man, but you know I'm a betting man. But any time Dylan Ward has a bad game, he bounces back with a huge, huge game. Yeah. I have a hard time envisioning Colorado and this defense and, and Ward putting up another stinker. And Vancouver, yes, they got to bounce back as well. But just looking at these two teams from the outside, looking in, I just have more faith with this mammoth group. Would I be surprised if Vancouver wins? No, because they've been surprising everyone all season long. But with that being said, there's a lot on the line for the mammoth. They're supposed to be winning right now. Vancouver is just supposed to be competing right now. So I'm going, I, I just feel like this is a game where, after 60 minutes, we look at the scoreboard and we just see some ridiculous things in terms of saves, in terms of shots from Dylan Ward. We've seen this Vancouver team is, has the ability to put up numbers both offensively and goals, but also in shots. And Colorado has a penchant to give up a ton of shots as well. So 
if Vancouver can find their offensive flow that they had, you know, before this past weekend, then I think they really have a good shot, but they've, you know, had great games against Colorado and then just they tanked and that's, you know, last half of that one game. So it will be very interesting to see which team shows up for both of these clubs on Friday, Saturday, Georgia at Albany. We talked to Jordan Hall about it. Both teams have jumped Philadelphia in the standings. Can they stay there? This is my favorite game of the week. Um, no doubt. We talked about how much is on the line for the two other games that we just talked about. But for me, it's just Albany is a team. And you could even say Georgia. These are two teams that, especially Albany, I think are way better than their record shows. Georgia is a team that I think has taken a little while to find themselves and they're young on the defensive end. We talked a lot about them. Um, and obviously the offense, we know some of those pieces are, but everything's coming together for them. Whereas with Albany, we've seen flashes of brilliance and then we've seen them look terrible. And then we've seen their defense be stout and Doug Jameson look great. And then they end up letting in 15 goals the next game. The offense is lighting the lamp. Then they can't even find the back of the net. So the inconsistency of this group is what is plaguing them. We'll see if they can right those wrongs. And with their best performance of the year on both sides of the ball, you could probably say, I know the offense didn't put up a ton, but when they needed to score, they scored. See if they can build off that. And if not, Georgia's a team that has done a great job hanging around and scoring big goals when games are close. At the start of the year, they weren't doing that. Now as they're collecting wins, they're the team that is finding the ways to win. So this one's this one's definitely the one that I have circled on my calendar due to the fact that it means, I think, the most in the standings and the fact that it's just two teams that also match up pretty well against each other. When you look at the overall standings, you know, Buffalo 10 and one, San Diego eight and two. Those are the two teams that have really yet to have a stinker. Every team has kind of had a good game, bad game. When you get down to the sort of beyond Toronto, everybody from Colorado down has kind of been Jekyll and Hyde at times during the season. So obviously consistency is key in the national Lacrosse league and is showing at the top of the standings. Panther City at Calgary. Calgary's second home game of the weekend, a three-game win streak for Panther City. We mentioned it, the Roughnecks were the last team to beat them back on February 20th. This, I don't know, like, depending what happens Thursday, Calgary could be beat up. They could be tired. Yes, they get a day off. Panther City will be there waiting for them. This is a make-or-break game for Panther City as well. I, I think, you know, you mentioned Georgia-Albany. This game has a real playoff intensity matchup kind of to it as well. And I think that you would easily be able to say, oh, this could be a let-up spot for Panther City after, you know, railing off a couple of wins here, three in a row. But you look at the standings, they have no time for letdown games. Yeah, this is an expansion team that is in a playoff race and hopefully the moment doesn't get too big for some of these players, these young players that haven't been in this, but the way that they've been coached by TK, by Teeter, by Toller, and the, the, the trust that Bob Hamley has in the coaching staff. I don't see this being a, a, a letdown spot. I think they're going to give their a, a game And I think with Calgary, 
It's just, are they going to be able to recover quick enough um, and, and be able to give it 110 after probably playing a hard fought, fought game at home, um, you know, against a, a, a team that's hungry as well in Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan will then leave Calgary Thursday, head back home to play Rochester. Uh, we don't know the status of Ryland Hartley yet. Um, obviously, we talked about how the Nighthawks were able to kind of settle down after that opening five minutes, but they cannot have a five minutes like that again against the Saskatchewan team that could be either very pissed off or very desperate or very um, motivated, depending on what happens on Thursday. I even think if Hartley plays this game and, and Saskatchewan picks up a win on Thursday night, it, it could be a long night for this defense mm-hmm. um, because I think it's just they need to, once this offense strings a win together, if they if they string two together, I think this is going to be a team that's going to at least make that push. They might fall short of that, that playoff spot, but it's just this season has just been so weird for the offense. Um, we saw them put up a ton of points against Panther city, put up, uh, sorry, a ton of goals against Panther city, but the defense and, and the goaltending falls flat. So will they be able to put together a full 60 on both sides after playing a Thursday game? That's going to be the tough challenge, but it's playoff lacrosse at this point for this club. So, and Rochester, they're a young group. They played a great game against uh, New York. They lost, but same, you could say the same thing. Are they going to want to play spoiler? Or are they going to just be mailing this one in? Uh, again, or Colorado at home on Friday to Vancouver. They have to catch a flight the next day, go to San Diego, a team that has notoriously had Colorado's number since the Seals came into the NLL. I think they maybe only lost to them once, maybe twice at most in the matchups that they have had. A clash of the Titans out West, especially if Colorado can win that game against Vancouver. Uh, they are right there with the Seals and a win, you know, could definitely put a chink in the armor of San Diego wanting to hold on to that number one seat. I know I said Georgia Albany is my favorite game of the week. <laughs> this one might be one, one B. I think that's one, one B, a one B or it's a close second because this one has a lot. Uh, I mean, if Colorado wins on Friday and then comes into Pachanga and knocks off San Diego, boy, mm-hmm. I know about 25 minutes ago in the podcast, I said, San Diego has the West wrapped up. If that happens, it's not, they're not quite as comfortable near the top, but if they do win, they're going to be sitting pretty and maybe there's some breathing room that they can allow, you know, guys to rest up and guys to sit out or maybe guys lower, you know, lower their minutes. But if they lose this game, they're going to be fighting for that number one seed, the, the full way through. It is. I said it on coast to coast uh, week 15 told me to expect the unexpected. I have a feeling that will play true again here in week 16. Um, you got anything else, anything else going on? Not really, man. I mean, the next few days for me, obviously today, right now, St. Patty's day, big, big day for me. College basketball is, is on TV. We've got a Thursday night lacrosse game this weekend here is probably my favorite weekend of the year. And the <laughs> fact that St. Patty's Day, it falls in line. It's even perfect. The fact that it's a bye week for me for broadcasting makes it even better. But I'm still going to be glued to the TV. I just have one little hypothetical here for Ooh, you before we get this. going. Love this. So 
I know you are you were originally a believer that it's going to be four and four in each conference. Meaning, yeah, I felt you know, the West was going to round themselves out and even things out. Yes. So it's a two-parter. The first one. Do you still see that happening? Mm. Yes. Okay. So let's. Okay. That that's that's that answers I one. Probably question. say but no, but it, I'm going to say yes. Okay, I, I, I respect that. I think it could, could go either way, to be quite honest. Um, but with that being said, if you're San Diego, would you much rather play a mm. Western foe or have a team like potentially Albany or Georgia cross over in that game? Um, Especially Albany. Well, that they already beat them once already this, year. this year. Yeah, yeah. So that, that 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 game could be a game of planted seeded doubt, or it could be a let's go get amends for what happened earlier. I don't hate the idea of playing a team that has to travel all the way across the country. Um, yeah, I think they. I think if it came down to it, they would probably want to play a team that's got to travel all the way across the country. I don't think they, unless like the the East just crumbles. They all start losing games are terrible. And the Vancouver team and the, the Western teams just all of a sudden all go on heaters and the West, you get, you know, four teams with eight wins by the end of the season. Um, I think they would rather play a team from the East. I, I think that's what they would rather, but I don't think they really care. That's probably the right answer. That's probably the right answer. They but don't I give def- no what's. Yeah, hypothetical. They're not supposed to make sense. Exactly. So (laughs) they're not. Um, you know, would who would Buffalo rather face in that first round? Would it be Philadelphia, Albany, or Georgia? Who would you rather face? I think right now, hypothetically, I think there would be foaming at the mouth playing a team like Philadelphia because you know they just took the boots to them, but (laughs) at the same time, it's one game, man. It's one game. And at least in that first round, if you decide to throw, especially a team like Buffalo, we haven't seen a stinker yet. Yeah. What a terrible time that, that would be for a stinker. <laughs> right. Oh, right. <laughs> It'd be at home too. And you just lay yeah. an absolute oh. egg, only score like three goals, give up 20. <laughs> and it's to a Philly team that sneaks into the playoffs by scoring like nine <laughs> yeah, goals in their yeah. last game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, that'll pretty much do it up uh, before we get out of here. gotta send a massive, uh, happy birthday to miss Molly Jenner. Me moms, uh, 75 trips around the sun. Uh, she is, uh, down in Palm Springs with the old man. They had a couple days out in Laguna beach, a uh, nice little in getting a little getaway. Um, she is the absolute greatest lacrosse mom. I'm sure all of our moms did the same, same things for us when we were kids, Drove you and your buddies to practices, cut the oranges, filled the water bottles, made all the phones for practices and all that stuff. Uh, but it was also there for every game, every goal, and every defeat. So uh, happy birthday, Mama. I love you. I can't wait to see you at the start of April when you guys get back to town. But I know she'll listen to this and have a little tear in her eye. But thanks for everything <laughs> you've done for me over the years. And I know all your grandkids uh, wish they could see you as well. So happy birthday, Mom. Uh, that will do it for this week. Thanks to Jordan Hall. Thanks to you. He is Pat Gregoire. You can find him at P Greggy. I'm Teddy Jenner. Find me at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast or find us on Instagram at 
OTCB podcast. So forget if you want to look your best, head over to nllshop.com or fanatics.ca and get the swag that the pros wear. Enjoy week 16, everybody. We are nearing the end. The deadline is out of the way. So let's all start moving towards the playoffs. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other.